Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel America's number one sports book is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, continuing on today with our 25 years uh, series of historical podcasts. So the Ravens' first 25 years, got some great history there. Obviously, we've been very blessed with a, with a terrific franchise. Today joining me is Jamar Mills. Jamar, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Ken? Uh, no complaints at all. You came with me with a great topic, which is the evolution of Ravens pass rushers. And when you say that, you're telling me you were mostly interested in the Ravens drafted pass rushers, correct? Correct. I think that uh, they've looked for a particular style over the years. Um, I've been a Ravens fan since literally day one. And I've just kind of seen them change things that, you know, as the league changes. We've gotten definitely to a more spread out, pass happy offense that they're facing. And, you know, you have to adapt. You adapt or you die. There you go. So, uh, yeah, they've drafted guys on the rush side, on the Sam side. That's a big topic of mine. But why don't we why don't we start with the first big pass rush draftee for the Ravens, which would have been Peter Bulware in 1997 with the fourth overall pick? I think they, I mean, young franchise, you need somebody that can go hunt the quarterback, that can change the, the direction of your defense and your offense to create, create short fields. Peter Bulware just fit that in spades. I mean, coming out, you know, he had 29 sacks in college over a two-year plan at Florida State. Six foot four, two fifty five, seventy sack career in the NFL. Unfortunately, cut short due to injuries, but he had an impact when he was here. You know, so that was one of my guys. I love Peter Boyd. That man did more with one arm than most players do with two. Yeah, always wearing that harness for for a lot of years. That's true. I I, I was impressed by Boyd's versatility over the years. That you know, he he was a standing outside linebacker and for the 2000 team uh you know very much a standing two down outside linebacker didn't it didn't play as many snaps as people think he played about 70 percent of the snaps for that for that world championship team but he did move up on third down he was on the field from the outside rushing uh and he could do that well very well too as we as we all know and uh he, he's 
his ability to play either standing or in a three-point stance, something that, that really helped the Ravens. When the Ravens, uh, who was it who went down? I forget if it was McCrary or, or Burnett in 2001, probably McCrary. Um, he stepped right in at the rush end and led the AFC in sacks. People forget how hard it is to transition from a college defensive end to an NFL outside linebacker and then have oh, yeah. to transition back to a defensive <laughs> defensive end in the NFL. You know, and it was McCray. McCray had a, a severe knee injury, if I remember correctly, and Peter Bowers stepped in. I mean, the, the versatility of that man, it, it just goes beyond what you would expect. I mean, I knew he, was a, he wasn't a bust by any stretch of imagination. He was definitely a hit. But to to his to Ozzy's credit, to see that kind of versatility in that guy in college is just phenomenal. Hats off, hats yeah, off. They, they had a had a big year in two thousand three for the Ravens uh, in terms of a, a comeback year to, to to pile up a big sack total, and then that was pretty much it. He was hurt for two thousand four. I think two thousand five, he might have came back and got a couple of sacks. But the Ravens were really they were just hoping against hope at that point that he that he might still have something left, and he was really done. Yeah, well, you, you segue right into 2003 because that was Suggs' rookie year. You know, that was the Jamal Lewis 2,000-yard season. I was at that game when he set the record for the uh, most yards rushing. You know, yep. so they had a great tandem with uh, Suggs and Bulware. And it was so sad because I think Suggs wanted that so much after Bulware left. He saw the value in his rookie year that, hey, it's another guy. That means you can't shift to me. You know, I mean, Suggs comes in here, you know, after a 44-sack college career for three years in Arizona, you know, had 139 sacks, and you know that's mind blowing in of itself. 139 sacks, you know, and terrific number. I mean, in in his rookie year, he played. I think it's 37 percent of the snaps. I've I've, I've had this question uh, come up before. So he's purely a situational pass rusher as a rookie for Suggs, and playing opposite Bull, where he still sacked the quarterback 12 times yeah. with that low sack number. That's just it's it's amazing to me still. Yeah, I mean, coming in, you know, 6'3", 265. I always joke about that, Suggs, his fighting weight. So I always lean to more 270-ish with Suggs because he's one cheeseburger away from being at 275 range. You know? You know, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He used it well. He definitely car- he carried it well, as the ladies say. I carry my weight well. So <laughs> One more important point about Suggs is he, he we, we remember him probably more for his pass rush than for his run defense. But he's a generational run defender, by far the best run defending rush linebacker of his era. Uh, a guy who could set the edge like nobody's else, and and he had all of that football savvy. And it was accumulated over time, of course. But the ability to get low on guys, take on a pulling guard low, and and create a pile yeah. rather than uh, tr- trying to make the mess. He had a lot of uh, penetration plays, and of course, he was incredible incredible screen recognition guy. If the quarterback gave away anything about where that ball was going, otherwise Suggs was right on it and, uh, and knew where to go. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. His instincts were, were Hall of Fame. I'm going to say that. Roethlisberger asked him, like, what do you see? Because we don't even try to throw screens anymore with you because you just see something. What do you see? Like, you know, it just the, so many times he'd jump around the screen. He jump up, jump. I mean, the leg catching the playoffs against Pittsburgh was just unreal. Yeah. He put it between his legs. So, I mean, his guy's instincts. And when you study with Ray Lewis, you study with Ed Reed, you study with those guys. You know, that's another level of of chess play right there. You know, you, this is, the game moves at a different speed, as Billick used to say, for for guys like that. You know, yeah, that's it. He's remarkable. A couple of peekaboo interceptions where he yeah. ducked it down and, mm. and then leapt up to get that. And he had one, by the way, in camp a few years back. And it was one of his last years with the Ravens, maybe the second or third to last year. And Suggs, 
he had an enjoyment for being at practice that was on another level. He loved the competition of it. He, you, you always knew where he was. The, you know, the Ravens are practicing over three fields, but you, mm-hmm. his voice boomed all over them. Yeah. And, and, he, and he always had comedy gold to bring you. But the thing, the thing that I remember, the player member, is he leapt up, had a peekaboo interception against Flacco, and Dennis Pitta had to go to the stage and kind of explain what happened. And you know, they asked him about the Suggs interception. They're not even asking him about his own stuff. And he goes, you know, I don't even know what happened because we've only run that, you know, that play two times the whole camp, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden he knows it's coming. And, yeah. and so anyway. Yeah. Um, so kind of segue, you know, to one of Suggs' uh, running mates to, uh, and was there at the Suggs left, uh, Matt Judon. You know, another high production sack guy. I think I think that Ozzy and and his track record was looking for high production sack guys for college because he's seeing how that translated well to the NFL. You know, I mean, he had Judon had twenty nine and a half sacks in Grand Valley State. Now, I personally can't find Grand Valley State on a map, but <laughs> if I'm a college player and I have almost thirty sacks, I'm going to try to get in somebody's NFL camp. And Judon, to his credit, I mean, he has parlayed that into a successful career. And he wasn't a small guy either, 6'3", 275, you know. I mean, carried it well, had, had a good burst. Now, he didn't have the same productivity, for, you know, so far as uh, sack, high sack goes in the NFL. But uh, one of the things that I've learned with him is, you know, it's quarterback hits, which is yep. kind of like the single or the double in the baseball. You know, yeah, you can't get the home run, yep. but look, I'm getting on base. I'm hitting this quarterback, you know. He's had, you know, just under 40 sacks, you know, uh, throughout his career so far, but he does lead the league in quarterback hits. So Judon did very well with that, you know. Um, I, was, I, I, w- I just want to say something yeah. about Judon before we yeah. move on. Suggs made his made his mark really more as a run defender, and and that's in terms of of where he really produced the most value. Obviously, good, val- very valuable pass rusher, but yeah. he defined the Ravens' run defense. In fact, the Ravens never allowing four yards of carry was really a lot of Suggs. Mm-hmm. Moving on to Judon, he really had made his um, uh, name as a coverage guy a guy who could drop the coverage mm-hmm. as well as rush the quarterback and and on that same side the ravens have been able to do so much with that under wink in terms of mm-hmm. of having multiple games they can run because their pass rushers don't have to just rush the passer they can cover in fact the last you know year or two tyus bowser has been the ravens best coverage linebacker inside mm-hmm. or outside but very rare you have an outside linebacker who's your best coverage linebacker yeah absolutely absolutely um Another guy that I, that I talk about, um, I was actually happy when they drafted this guy. He was one of my dark horse picks, and this actually shows why I'm not on anybody's NFL front office. Uh, Jalen Ferguson, you know, I was really excited for that pick. I, I jumped off the couch. I thought this guy could be a sleeper guy. You know, obviously, you know, 45 sacks in college, you know, high motor guy, big guy, long arms, you know, it's 276 foot five. So he's checking the boxes that the Ravens usually look for. High productivity in college, you know, size, weight, caliber, you know, can convert speed to power, you know. And then it comes here and it's it just not it has not translated well. And that's I don't know if it's the scheme. I don't know if it's the system, but that's one of the things that I've kind of shaken my head at with that, because I thought that this guy would really come here and kind of catch people off guard with that, you know, because of the knock he come from a small school. But. I thought that he had the intangibles that they were looking for, which was a really big head scratch for me. I was expecting so much more from Ferguson. He's had some flashes, but just not the same productivity I thought would happen. Yeah, it to me, Ferguson seemed like a prototypical rush end, a guy you'd, you'd put on the naked offensive tackle. 
and a guy who would be able to control the run game with very long arms. And guys who have that really good bull rush, like Suggs did, like Ferguson, is reputed to have. We haven't really seen great bull rush, frankly, at this level yet. Um, those, those are the guys who can often turn an offensive tackle and keep that run game contained. So, you know, I think it was an, a, an attempt to replicate some of what Suggs did, but Suggs is one of the, you know, one of the highest boarded, you know, players ever. And they traded up to get Ferguson, of course, in the third round. So we're not talking about the same kind of talent level or pedigree of of uh of a trail sucks yeah yeah um so a couple honorable mention guys you know um i think are important in this too is darius smith who was definitely a high high motor high effort guy and would just get after that deep that offensive guard or uh, that center combo right there he could just blow up the middle you know and mm-hmm. i think that that's something that we're missing too right now with it and in our defense and i just anytime i see him do a play in the last couple of years in green bay i kind of just Shake my head, drink drink my soda, and just say, man, uh, if only you stayed a little longer. But you got to be happy for that guy. Pernell McPhee, who was like the OG of the group now, you know, you see him in the huddle talking to the guys, getting the team together. You know, it may not have been the prototypical defensive end, outside linebacker combination with it, but can set the edge like nobody's business. And, and it's just, you know, he's going to fight for 60 minutes. He's going to fight. McPhee's one of the guys I've loved over the years, and and he certainly has been become a great edge setter late in his career. You know, a guy who who that really is something he does very well. We saw it obviously in the Tennessee game last year, but but before that, in 2014, his last year of his initial tour with the Ravens, he really drove that pass rush. And and while uh, on the outside, Dumerville and Suggs were piling up their huge sack numbers. We had on the inside, really, McPhee commanding double teams. He had a thunderous first step. And you mentioned that kind of that inside step uh, that draws two blockers on the inside, creates opportunities on on stunts, on blitzes from, you know, the off ball. Uh, you, you, you have a, a really great asset there. And he usually piles up a, lo- a lower sack total. I think McPhee might have had seven, seven and a half sacks in, in 2014. So he wasn't the, the primary guy from numbers, but he drove that pass rush. Absolutely. Absolutely. A um, couple other guys here, um, more on the disappointment side. And uh, one of those guys, I, I have a little asterisk next to him, but, you know, Kamala Correa didn't really pan out here. Um, had had a Paul Kruger, who mm-hmm. Paul Kruger will always be my asterisk because I felt that Harbaugh at that time tried to make a square peg for the round hole. You know, I felt that they tried to change him up, getting away, make him play defensive tackle, make him play, you know, more inside in the line. And that was not his game. You know, Correa also told me they tried to make him play inside linebacker because he was fast. They nearly had a need for inside linebacker. That was not his game in college. And, and I think the mark of a great head coach is to make the player, the, the, the scheme of your talent around what your players do well, not the other way around. I think that's what Belichick does. That's what Pete Carroll does. That's what the greats do. And I don't think Harbaugh really grasped that until the Lamar Jackson era, you know, where they said, we're going all in on Lamar. Let's change the system to fit what Lamar does. He's not Joe Flacco. We're not going to ask him to be Joe Flacco. We're going to go all in on this guy. And I think that he, he really, he reached, really, in my opinion, he really evolved as a coach. And I, like I said, I was not a Harbaugh fan, but after I saw what he did with Lamar Jackson, I tipped my hat to him and said, that's what great coaches do. You find out what your team does well, what your guys do well, and you say, look, I'm not going to tell you what you, I'm not going to have you do what you can't do. Tell me what you can do. And that's that's one of the things that I've seen now with Harbaugh with that. And I think Paul Kruger's last year there when he just said, look, 2012, just go hunt. Just go hunt. Suggs on the other side, just go hunt. 
Great, great point about um, Harbaugh in particular. Uh, you know, it, it's not just the fact that he said, well, Lamar Jackson can do A for us. Uh, you know, he, he also got the right offensive coordinator in, and that was his hire, you know, in terms of, of putting Roman in charge and a guy who really understood how to scheme for Jackson to uh, make the other team shaking in their boots on every play. Yeah. Basically, they, they had to do all sorts of things to spread the field defensively. And in fact, you know, it's still today, Jackson faces almost exclusively zone defenses or, or a, a very high predominance of zone defenses. Yeah. If you want to run some kind of man scheme, you almost have to disguise that yeah. to, to try and do it. And, and it really it creates simple pass rush schemes that have really benefited. Go back to Paul Kruger, your other point. You know, I, I really I really love that they made him a situational pass rush. It really kind of started in his third year, and then he really broke out in his fourth year uh, with a big year. And I don't know about you, but um, when, when we lose players like this, there's a heartbreaking component of it. But I always think back to the, the, the one central tenet I have about franchise building is that if, you're, if you draft exceptionally well, you're going to be heartbroken more often with the players you lose after four years. And that's a yeah. good thing. It's not a bad thing because you have yeah. choices. Correct. And the other team, they don't have choices. They have one guy. They have to make him work. And then they have to figure out how to go and get the rest of their talent from the open market. Correct. Correct. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I shed tears a little bit, you know, for guys like Michael Pierce, you know, for, for mm-hmm. guys like Paul Cruz, the Darius Smith. I mean, these guys, you know, and I can go on and on if I really sat down and thought about McVie. Yes. You know, it, you see guys leaving and that's successful. I mean, I still remember the Priest Holmes watching him on Sundays in Kansas City and Jamal Lewis is out for the year with the two on ACL. And we got Terry Allen, you yeah, know, and, and Jason Jim Brookins. 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 Yeah. yeah. With, I think we're the only two people that know that guy's name in the trivia. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, there so you go. It, was, it was definitely heartbreaking to, to see that. But you're right. When you draft well, you know, it, it, it shows. It shows in our depth. Look at us now, the depth that we have in free agency and, and throughout the draft with, with, with as many IR lists as we have. You know, that thing just grows and grows. You know, so my, my last point, you know, is with the um, Adafi, you know, OA. And, I mean, I, I, I wasn't a fan of the pick because I'm, I'm looking at the production again. You know, I'm, I'm kind of putting my GM hat on. Mm-hmm. Also, why I'm not a GM, I'm putting my GM hat on again. And, it really, you know, seven sacks in three years. But when I watched the tape as he was drafted, I, I told my son, I said, this guy can set the edge. This guy's going to be a disruptor. At the very least, I said, he's going to make somebody say, oh, you know what? This this guy got through again. And, and throughout three weeks, we've seen it. We've seen, you know, we've seen him cause fumbles. We've seen him hit sacks. We've seen him make running back change direction. We've seen him swift, offensive lineman whiff against this guy with his speed. You know, so I, I'm, I'm very happy about that. You know, he's six foot five. He's 251. He he's more in that bowler laniness, ranginess. If you if you, if I had to compare size wise, you know, and I, and I think they want him to be that three down guy that can drop back, that can play on all all three downs, that can rush the passer from all those downs. You know, yeah, they they obviously they're relying on him very heavily right now, and he's doing so well. I think they're just going to let this run in terms of of when he should play and what he can do because a lot of people did have questions, including me, about, about whether or not the, his production would translate to the NFL. But it does represent a new talent in terms of a, a high-speed guy. And that, that play speed of his, that's what's really showing up to me. Is yeah. he's, he's so athletic that he has started to make first moves against an offensive tackle. If you're an offensive tackle, 
no matter who you are, if, you, if you're Joe Thomas, if you're the greatest left tackle of all time, if you're Jonathan Ogden, you're a worse athlete than who Adafi Owe is. And you have to overcompensate for that first move, which leaves you incredibly naked to that second move, yeah. whether that's a spin or, you know, a, a chop or whatever it might be. But he's he's, you know, he's a guy who looks like he's developing some pass rush plan. And you know what I liked this last week we saw is Wink using him to – uh, blow up the entire left side of that offensive line on Clark's sack. He, yeah. he he crossed the guard's face, hit the center, and all of a sudden, and the running back went after him too. So all, all of a sudden, Adafi Owe is triple teamed, and Clark just meanders through to the quarterback quickly, of course, and, and for S minus 12. Yeah, you have to account for a guy's speed. You have to account. That is a great equalizer, you know, and, and they always say speed kills because you have to account for You have to know where he is, and I'm sure they watch the film. And the more from your watch up, and okay, now what do we got to do with this guy? Okay, well, he's fast. That's the first thing. And that's the first thing Wink said. This guy's going to get to the quarterback real fast. You know, so now you can play off the speed. You know, I'm one of my favorite defensive ends, even though he beat my guy J.O. several times with, with Dwight Franey because he had that spin move. You knew he was coming. You know, you didn't know when that spin move was coming, but it was coming. He'd have you, once he got you to commit to one side, that spin was coming. That's and, right. And, oh, I still have nightmares about that spin against uh, Jonathan Ogden. And I love J.O. But, yeah, I saw that spin up close a couple times. And, man, so once that guy – I think once he gets the – once he gets his repertoire together, once he knows what he's going to serve you on the, on any given snap, the sky's the limit for this guy. You know, the sky's the limit. But that, that, that those are my takes just to see how they've evolved and what they're looking for, you know. And you're right. We, I mean, we've had some hits. I mean, I think Zadarius Smith, Pernell McPhee. Paul Kruger toward the end was a hit. Peter Bowen and Suggs, obviously, without question, are hits. Judon, I think, was a hit overall. You know, I mean, I think he's probably led to a great, successful career. And we've had the misses. We've had the Fergusons, you know. We, we've had some guys, the Correas and stuff John like Simon that. For John us Simon, for us was a miss. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, I think he was a solid linebacker, but I don't think he just fit what they were looking for, you know. But I think that we overall, I, I like the direction they're going with the outside linebacker. We can continue with this with Odafi, I think. So, Dalen Hayes, I think, you know, if he comes back healthy this year with the ankle. But I like what I saw out of him in training camp and in the preseason. So, I think that they're on the right track with this. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about, about Hayes as well. Two other guys from the kind of the golden era I want to just bring up quickly. Jarrett Johnson, originally oh. drafted as a defensive tackle, obviously yes. completely converted his body to play, you know, at, 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 for starters, a, a, a very good outside linebacker in terms of run defense. Was never a great pass rusher, but, but, he, but he provided you a little bit there. Yeah, so that, um, Absolutely. As brought, he brought his lunch pail to work every day, as they say. Yeah, there you go. You, know, you and, knew what you were going to get. It's a defensive tackle who moved to outside linebacker and then moved to inside linebacker when the Ravens needed him to play there. Mm. And, and you know, Lewis was out for a while. I forget if it was Lewis and somebody else, but Lewis was certainly out. And they needed him to play inside linebacker, and he did. So that that he was a very impressive and versatile player. The other guy, and, and probably the most versatile Raven of all time, if I had to say, was Adelis Thomas. Uh, you know, came out of Southern Miss as a, as a um, defensive tackle, moved to uh, outside linebacker and really had probably his his best years there. But in 2005, and I bring this story up for, from, from time to time, the Ravens played 265 snaps, 265. That's like a quarter of a season mm-hmm. with three defensive backs on the field. And they mm-hmm. did it because Adelis Thomas effectively could do what a strong safety could do uh, and, and cover tight ends. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it was, it was Rex Ryan. He adapted his team. To say, you know, just like what you said earlier about, you know, what can you do? Well, Adelis Thomas could do everything. Yeah. And, and it's the brave coach in his case 
who could who could ask him to do everything. And, and, and Ryan really uh, uh, got the most, I think, that could possibly be gotten out of a, out of a player like that when when he had him in uh, those last few years. I agree. I mean, he was a Swiss Army knife. I mean, played gunner, inside linebacker, outside linebacker, defensive end. I mean, wherever you needed him to go. I mean, and, and that's a great that's a great guy to have in your back pocket if you're Rex Ryan or any defensive coordinator because the versatility. And then when the guys come back healthy, then you can just move this guy around. So then you don't know what you have. Then you got extra. So now I got an extra nickel. They don't know he's going to drop back in coverage because they think he's going to blitz. They don't know he's going to rush because they think you got him standing up. So it's endless. That's a huge deal for for a guy like Wink who loves to um, you know use scheme to get pressure as opposed to win one on one matchups. And I think generally speaking, it's easier to use scheme to get a fast pressure on third down than it is to rely on a one on one win. You, you can you get them sometimes and great when you get them. But if you, you the way to get a fast pressure more reliably is to get a free runner on the quarterback. Yeah. And to do that, you generally have to use scheme. So you have to do, you know, how a Duffy away got Clark that easy sack. You have yeah. to do how um, uh, we saw Campbell get Ellis a pressure in this last game by crossing the guard's face, crunching rag now on that play and, uh, and, and giving Ellis a free lane. But anyway, I, Jamar, I, I, first of all, I don't want you to cut you off. Anything else? Any other points you want to make? No, no. I, I think I hit everything. I appreciate this. This was, this was a lot of fun. I hope to do this again one day. This was a lot ab- of fun. Ab- absolutely, Jamar. You're great for this, by the way. And, and the topic was excellent. The material really well done. So uh, you're welcome back, of course, any other time. And other people who are out there listening, this is exactly what we want. So we're just looking for some interesting topic. And he he put together you know, what is similar and different about the pass rushers the Ravens have dropped. That's a perfect historical topic. So we're not looking to do Mount Rushmore on this series. We're looking to do these kind of like in-depth uh, pieces that, that in 20 minutes or so we can get into some great depth. So really appreciate having you on, Jamar. Where can people find your work? Uh, actually, I need to start something. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter, you know, Jamar Mills, J-E-M-A-R-M-I-L-L-S. I mean, that's that's me. I'm on Twitter now. I actually follow you. So if they follow you, they follow me. So uh, I need to actually get some more stuff together with it. My son's really good at this type of stuff. Um, he's, in college, he's in high school, but um, I said, you need to get something together with a YouTube channel. So I may have to get something together with him, he and I. But I, I'm definitely got to get some more stuff together with it. But, yeah, I'm on, I'm on Twitter. You know, I'm on Facebook. So hit me up. Follow me. You know, I, I'm following Ken. And I enjoyed this conversation, man. This was great, great topic, great fun, a lot of fun here. Great talking football with you, Jamar. And it's at Jamar Mills? Yes. Just that simple? Correct. J-E-M-A-R Mills. Yes, correct. All right. Oh, terrific. Thanks for coming on, Jamar. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on yep. Film Study. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.